Welcome to the Torah Journey Podcast. My name is Rabbi Ken Brodkin, and I've been a community rabbi for over 15 years. During that time, I've learned that the wisdom of Judaism is powerful, but it's not always easy to understand. Our weekly podcast will enrich your journey and give you practical advice about how to apply the wisdom of Judaism to your life. We'll offer you insights based on the Parsha, current events, the Jewish year, and more. This is the Torah Journey Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, it is great to be back with you. I have been traveling, and I was unable to record last week, but it's good to reconnect. During these nine days, I've been thinking a lot about freedom. Earlier this week, my family visited Mount Vernon in Virginia, the great estate of our first president, George Washington, a true father of freedom. And yet, as the exhibit rightly points out, Washington was also a slaveholder who treated his human slaves much like work animals. Personally, I found it more moving to view the Spartan slave quarters than Washington's elegant mansion. While Washington forged the wave for our freedom, he governed the lives of his slaves in a pure authoritarian way, giving them minimal rations, inferior clothing, and restricting their movement to see relatives. Washington is one example of the paradoxes of our American history that has led us to a time today when all citizens enjoy the liberties guaranteed by the Constitution. It's hard to think of a more central tension in history than the tension between oppression and subjugation on the one hand and freedom and liberty on the other hand. In recent days, thousands of protesters took to the streets of Cuba to protest its totalitarian regime, and it was one of the largest such protests in Cuba in many decades. Our country here in the U.S. is a great example for the world. The moving language of the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution provide an ethical foundation for freedom. As the Declaration declares, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal. As Jews, we bask in these freedoms and liberties, and many scholars point to the Hebrew biblical origins of many of the ideas of the Founding Fathers. For example, common human ancestry and the sanctity of human life are, of course, Jewish ideas. But do we as Jews aspire to freedom? Can we legitimately say that freedom and liberty are Jewish ideals? Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness is, frankly, not a phrase found in the Bible. It's found, rather, in the Declaration of Independence. And this question is of particular relevance during this period of the nine days as we mourn over our state of exile. The Jewish people have plenty to be concerned about as anti-Semitism grows in our world. We long for the rebuilding of the Beis HaMikdash, but is freedom a Jewish value? In today's Torah Journey podcast, we're going to look at the Jewish meaning of freedom. In the process, we'll come to greater clarity about our spiritual aspirations during Chodesh Av, the month of Av. If you're benefiting from the Torah Journey podcast and would like to support our work, my congregation, Kesser Israel, is commissioning the writing of a new Sefer Torah. You can support us at any level in this historic project as we bring a new, beautiful Torah into our community. To donate or to learn more, visit us at www.sefertorahpdx.com. That's www.sefertorah, followed by the three letters... This past week, two 2,000-year-old coins were discovered in the Benjamin region of Israel. 
The coins bear the inscription Cherut Zion, which means freedom for Zion. They come from a period when the Romans were beginning to take control of the land of Israel. The Jewish people have long yearned for freedom. In fact, the Exodus was an inspiration to both the founding fathers of America as well as to the black slaves. The Puritans in Massachusetts saw themselves as heirs of the Hebrews. What other nation, aside from the Jews, formed their very identity as a nation through a process of extricating themselves from slavery to freedom? On the other hand, the celebration of freedom in the Torah seems less pronounced than in modern America. What's more, there seems to be a Torah limitation on the very notion of freedom. This is something we encounter in Parshas Bahar, where the Torah discusses the limits of servitude. A Hebrew servant must leave his master in the Yovel year. As the verse explains, For they are my servants whom I have taken out of the land of Egypt. Rashi comments in Mishpatim, They are my servants, and not servants unto servants of flesh and blood, that is. In other words, when God took us out of Egypt, absolute freedom was not the goal. Instead, he took us out of Egypt so that we would live our lives as servants unto Hashem. And so there's a limit on how much we can serve other people, because our ultimate master is God. This idea is echoed in our Haftarah, where the Navi Yeshayahu bemoans the fact that Yada Shor Konehu, Vachamor Evus Baalav, Yisrael lo Yada, Ami lo Hisponein. An ox knows his owner, and a donkey his master's trough. Yet my people, Israel, does not perceive. This concept underlies much of Torah thinking about government and kings. The Torah, as you're probably aware, was circumspect on the topic of monarchical power. In 1 Samuel 8, the nation goes to the Navi Shmuel, Samuel, seeking a king. And Shmuel chastises the people in the name of God, warning them that if they take the step of appointing a king, all of the people and their belongings will be subjugated. Vatem to you lo liavadim, and you shall be unto him his slaves, Shmuel warns. Now, given the fact that Vayikra 25 forewarns us about being subservient to flesh and blood, we can well understand the misgivings that Shmuel had when it came to people seeking out a king. And when we look at passages such as this, we can appreciate why the founding fathers identified with the Hebrew scriptures as they sought to overthrow the British yoke. The only problem, then, seems to be that verse in Vayikra 25.42, which insists that at the end of the day, we are servants, albeit unto Hashem. This idea comes into sharper focus in the final chapter of Pirkei Avos, where the rabbis remark, Ein l'cha ben chorin Torah. There is no free person except a person who is occupied in the study of Torah. What is the meaning of such a statement? Surely the rabbis knew of plenty of people who were free of oppression or economic need, and yet they believed that the only truly free person is someone who is immersed in the Word of God. Our rabbis are pointing us to a deeper truth about freedom. What does it mean to be free? For the founding fathers, it probably meant that a nation and its individuals are free in their own self-determination. In modern times, we've come to a sense of needing absolute freedom. 
Suppose that a person has that absolute freedom. Imagine someone has all the money they need and is free of any yoke and they live in a free country. They wake up in the morning and they face zero responsibility towards anyone. Is that freedom? The Mishnah is suggesting that the true implication of freedom cannot be an absolute freedom with zero yoke. That is far too limiting an understanding of what freedom is. What we really mean by freedom is living in a space where we can achieve self-actualization. We are free when we are connected to God's word. What could be a greater expression of our human mission than being immersed in the Torah? King Shlomo writes, Tov It is good for a person to have a yoke. It just depends which yoke you have in yourself. Is it a yoke that leads to true human fulfillment? Or is it one that stifles you? The deeper connection to Cheres is what often gets lost in our modern world. Last week, I came across the trailer for a new and unfortunate Netflix movie called My Unorthodox Life. This movie is about a formerly Orthodox woman who left Jewish observance and became wildly successful as a leader in the modeling and fashion industries. There's a lot of problems with with the film which showcase any number of gross inaccuracies about the Orthodox community. For example, this show insists that the Orthodox community is broadly ignorant of Western culture, not to mention oppressive. Sadly, there is little fact-checking on movies that defame the Orthodox community. The heroine, Julia Hart, comments on her decision to, quote, deprogram herself from Orthodoxy. I was covered up my entire life, Hart comments, so to me, every low-cut top Every miniskirt is an emblem of my freedom. While this take on freedom might touch a nerve with a Hollywood audience, it misses the true essence of freedom. Freedom is not merely the pursuit of material desire or expression. Absolute freedom leads us to a place of emptiness, not empowerment. Take the issue of modest dress that Hart speaks about. While I respect her autonomy to dress how she chooses, Modest dress is a choice that people make about their spiritual lives, and people who make that choice are not lacking in freedom. True freedom is where we live in a space where we actualize our potential as a people in relationship with God. King David put it best when he declares, Ani avdecha ben amasecha, pitachtelamoserai. I am your servant, the son of your maidservant. Release my bonds. Break my shackles, God, because I will willingly serve the living king. The amazing thing about the Jewish people is that we always find a way to be servants of God, even when there are shackles around our feet. How many underground Jewish schools have existed in times when Torah study was outlawed by governments all the way from the Syrian Greeks to Stalin? And as we look to our prophetic past, there is a pervasive idea that is even more fundamental than freedom. In two weeks' time, we'll read the words of the Navi Yeshayahu, Isaiah, about a future time when the morning of these nine days will be a historic memory. Isaiah foresaw a time when all of mankind will perceive the presence of God. He says, A voice calls in the wilderness, Clear the way of Hashem. Make a straight road in, in the highway, a path for Hashem. Every valley shall be raised, every mountain shall be made low, the crooked shall become straight. V'nigla kavod Hashem, v'ra'u kol basar yachtav, kifi Hashem diber. 
revealed shall be the glory of God, and all flesh as one shall perceive that the mouth of God has spoken. The idea here is that wherever you are, whatever your perspective, you will have a straight path to see the truth of God. As the Navi continues, Yavesh chetzir navel tzitz, udvar alokenu yakum liolam. The grass will wither, the flower will fade, but the word of our God shall stand forever. There is no question that we desire freedom. Yet, freedom is a tool towards an end, not a goal in and of itself. To be sure, we need freedom. But a society that becomes focused on absolute freedom can become enslaved to its own passions. Freedom is meaningful when we adopt the yoke of serving God and growing closer to Hashem. Personally, when I wake up in the morning and I feel the yoke of needing to run to Minyan, albeit after a strong cup of coffee, I feel free. When I feel the yoke of mitzvot like Shaman to fill in, I am liberated. If we're looking for true freedom, how do we achieve that? The Midrash discusses the exiles, and we seek to overcome these exiles during this time of the nine days. The Midrash points to the opening verses of Breshis, which references four forms of desolation. Tohu, Vohu, Choshech, and Tahom, barrenness, void, darkness, and the deep. The rabbis teach us that each term references a different one of the four exiles that the Jewish people have experienced. Bavel Babylonia, Madai Persia, Yavan Greece, and Edom Rome. During Tisha B'Av in the Nine Days, we not only overcome political oppression, we also overcome servitude to the darkness and the emptiness of exile. If political oppression means that we are barred from observing Torah, the spiritual component is that in these exiles, we become enslaved to empty pursuit of meaningful goals. We overcome that by finding true meaning in these days. So during this time, ask yourself, is there a way that you feel enslaved to emptiness or a problematic aspect of the culture around us? Perhaps you feel enslaved by technology or by consuming goals of fame or material success. These goals are not Torah goals, which envisions connecting to God as the center of our lives. We get connected to the Torah values by being occupied in the word of Hashem. So this is a natural time for us to find new ways to plug into the Torah learning. During this period of time, seek a new way to plug yourself into the word of God. One of the things I like to do personally is have daily limudim, set times to study, studying Nach or Mishnah every day. And that creates a framework, indeed a yoke, whereby I am obligated to connect to the word of Hashem. And as we plug into the word of God, Torah learning is our gateway to Geula. Learning Torah will make us freer in our own lives as we reconnect with our truest values. And Torah learning will build a world where one day all flesh will see that the word of God stands forever. It's been great to connect with you. I'd love to get more connected with you. And so I want to invite you to follow me on Twitter. My Twitter handle is Rabbi Ken Brodkin. Feel free to follow and direct message me with any questions or feedback on my Twitter account. I'm Rabbi Ken Brodkin, and this is the Torah Journey Podcast. Thank you.